welcome to another episode of CR Improv. Jamie, good to see you again. Good to hear you again. Thank you. It's nice to be heard, Mickey. Nice to see you and hear you as well. Well, we've got a great episode. This is part one of a two-parter. We don't do many two-parters, but I wanted to get some perspective from different practitioners with different viewpoints, different perspectives, different campuses, all of that. I've had some conversations with folks. I've been even debating with my own uh, in my own head, which anybody that knows me knows that probably happens a lot. Um, <laughs> How's that going? <laughs> yeah, it's a losing battle. That's what I can tell you. Um, so uh, thinking of, of clients who continue to grow on their CRM, you know, we're getting questions of what about a, a third party product that we could potentially add in? Should we do that? You know, that's just a common question we get, maybe more yeah. common now than it used to be probably because almost everyone at this point has a CRM and our, you know, model is really focused on helping clients trying to get through uh, implementation and then continuing to grow on the platform. So it's a good question. It's a question I want them to have. There's not always a clear answer. Um, I hate giving the, the biggest, most common used uh, consulting answer out there, which is it depends. It depends. <laughs> oh, I hate, I hate having to say it. Um, it's, I feel like, you know, you know, there are certain things I don't like saying when we're working on a prospective client that, that I always feel like is a salesy thing to say. Mm-hmm. It depends. It's such a consultancy thing to say, and I hate it, but yeah. it really does depend. And so rather than me giving an answer, I want to have some other perspectives on it. And so I have one of my longtime friends, gosh, from way back in the day when, when I was uh, working directly in higher ed, you know, this year is my 24th year as a working professional and it's right at half 12 years direct in higher ed 12 years consulting at this point the dark side as i call it we have with us a, a dear friend of mine whom like, we were just talking before we hit record we met it probably was 2004 probably the fall of 2004 but uh way back in my time as a practitioner he was on the dark side at the time and now he's gone back to the light side is that or the, yes. the fun side the real mm-hmm. side yeah. the hardworking side, you know, um, <laughs> I don't like the implications of that statement. I don't either. I regretted it when I said it, but, um, it's out there, but, uh, Lynn Lipkin has joined us. Lynn Lipkin is the associate vice president information technology at the university of the arts. Uh, Lynn is, is it lifelong or a long time resident of Philadelphia? Pretty much it, lifelong. I took a few years away. Yep. Um, uh, Lynn right has, and Lynn's had time working with student information system products. He actually even worked at Canadian Company. So there's just throw that out there. He did spend time with us for a period of time before he was at the University of the Arts. Um, he left institution, joined us, was our first, what I would call true technical expert, technical strategist at the firm that we hired and had a great opportunity to come at the University of the Arts uh, four or so years ago and is still there. Our conversation with Lynn today, I really, Lynn, I'm going to hammer you and pound you some good questions here. I want your perspective from an IT standpoint about CRM platforms. Do we, should we have institutions really focused on a single platform that does it all or piecemealing together uh, what may be perceived or actually be better functionality with multiple products uh, coming together and, and just understand your perspective on it. So Lynn, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you. So good to see you as well. Uh, we, we've not 
seen each other since before the pandemic, I don't think, right? Not even on video or anything. We've not bumped into one another or... I don't know if we had a conversation or two, a professional one um, yeah. with some of our folks at the University of the Arts, but... Were we on video for that? Maybe, maybe. If it was, it was early on uh, yeah. the pandemic. Yeah, it's been yeah. a long time. I think this uh, is the equivalent of a podcast hug that we're ha yeah. that's happening right now. I think that's what's that's in front of us. <laughs> I, I actually wanted to say just one thing, and then I'll probably be quiet for most of the time. But I think it's great that you guys met before most people who are working in admissions were even alive. <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks so much, man. <laughs> Makes me feel real young. Thank you so much, Jim. Uh, 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 so, so let, let's just dive in. One platform, multiple tools plugging together. What your immediate reaction? What is it? Well, Mickey, I have to um, take take your lead from the beginning of this uh, introduction. And just say it depends. <laughs> so um, we're not alone, Jamie. We're not alone. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, you know, thanks for joining us today on CRM. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, um, you, you know, it depends what it, what an institution's resources are and what its needs are, and uh, you know, specifically, you know, how sophisticated they are as an operation. Uh, there's so many CRMs out there, um, and it could be hard when you know each department will want their own because because the bells and whistles of any specific product will you know will will speak to their to their office an advancement crm will speak to advancement an admission crm will speak to admissions etc cetera, etc cetera. you know the, it's always an uphill battle from an it perspective to get people bought into a consolidated crm because everybody feels like they're making a little bit of a compromise or a, or a big compromise, um, depending on on what platform is the leading candidate, and of course the 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 challenge from an IT perspective, from my perspective, typically has been to communicate to those constituencies about the challenges of what it means to have multiple CRMs and to get those data connections and that data flow working. It's not an equal argument for different offices. So the, the, at the top of the funnel, you got the admissions office. They don't suffer when, when the down, the upstream data doesn't come to them because there is no upstream data from the institution's perspective, but at an advancement office, for example, can, can really suffer if, uh, if, if the data isn't managed well across that student development life cycle. So I've not ever really thought about it in those exact terms, in terms of how the data flows and how that doesn't impact admissions the same way as it does advancement and, and even student success at that point um, as well. And while I understand and, and talk a lot with clients about the importance of data, but haven't really put it into that perspective that it's not the same issue for admissions because they're generating a lot of that data from the beginning, whether it's through a list or some legion or an application, um, they're creating it. They don't have to worry about getting it in there and getting it out isn't their problem because they don't necessarily need it as much as everyone else needs it. Uh, well, and they have their own issues with data because they've got to get data from whatever sources they have. But but typically the CRMs that cater to them will already have pre-built connectors and import tools and things along those lines. And I'd say even further is that it's worse the further you are down the funnel because there's a degradation of data as you move from 
ad admissions to enrollment. And then there's an, an, another degradation of data <laughs> as you move from enrollment to, to advancement. And so, so when you're that far down the, the path, you've, you're, you're, data has already gone through the dryer a few times yeah. and has faded a little bit, I guess yeah. is, is the metaphor. Great analogy. <laughs> Laundry. Uh, <laughs> data and the flow of data, one consideration. Going back to the other factors you talked about, resources. Let's, let's talk about resources. Um, you've been on the purchasing end uh, of products before. Could it be, I don't want to say typically, it's not like you've been through it 20 times, but do you find that it might potentially be more economical for single platform versus mul piecing multiple things together. I'm sure there's a lot of variance in that, but um, from a purchasing perspective, do you see a difference? Well, one of the challenges on the purchasing perspective is that um, departments will often look at the price, the license cost of a piece of software and not necessarily at the maintenance cost. And to the extent that they need support from IT or to hire someone internally to, you know, an admissions office or an enrollment office or an advancement office, you know, that there's, they're not always thinking about, about the, the human costs. And I can't tell you the number of times where I've seen, you know, folks implement a system and then a year later post a job for, you know, a systems admin or a systems analyst or something to be embedded in that department. Um, and it's out of, you know, not really understanding that because if you knew it in advance, you, that person would have been hired to help implement the system because they they know it much better than if you'd hire them sort of after it was built and they don't really have a say in, in how it was, uh, how it was implemented. Um, the, the other cost then becomes, you know, certainly from an IT perspective, it's cheaper to have one person that understands your CRM platform than it is to have one or many people, depending on the complexity of your operation, understanding the platforms themselves uh, and multiple platforms and, and how, how they differ from one another and keeping them straight in your head about how, how things work and you know, how addresses are handled or email addresses are handled in one system versus the other can be very, very different. Um, I think actually the, the biggest, the bigger resource concern from my perspective, if you really want that, and I, and I hate this phrase just as much as you hate the, it depends phrase, but the, the 360 view of the, the, of the <laughs> student, um, every, every vendor will say, we give you a 360 view. The real challenge is that, you know, when you're, when you're sending that data through the laundry cycle, you have to make choices at each step as far as what data moves from one system to the next and what's the system of record and how often that gets updated and and creating mechanisms by which those systems are connected and kept accurate is a, is a huge lift and to the extent that you have multiple CRMs in place that's a really big job Hey, I know you're deeply engaged with this conversation, but we're going to pause just for a moment for an important word from our sponsors. If your email templates or website are stuck in 2010, or your program brochures look like they could have been made in Microsoft Paint, it's time to give the sponsor of this week's episode a call. Meet Unincorporated. 
Unincorporated is a higher education agency committed to building awareness, growing enrollment, and launching programs for universities. If Nike and Apple decided to venture into the higher education branding space, their top competitor would be Unincorporated. Meet the disruptors in the education design industry and subscribe to their newsletter to get a weekly download of the most important trends in higher ed at unincorporated.com forward slash enrollify. Again, that's unincorporated.com forward slash enrollify. And you already have integration challenges between CRMs and ERPs and other systems that you have to worry about. And you're talking about having multiple CRMs, certainly at a large, larger institutions, I've tended to be, you know, my, my employment has been more at smaller institutions, but, but I know from some of my colleagues at larger institutions that, uh, and I won't name this particular university, but they are undergoing a, you know, a consolidation project to bring their 12 CRMs down to three. Um, and, you know, I just can't even imagine what, you know, what that looks like. Now, you know, when you have a school of nursing and you have a, you know, a, a school of engineering or something on, along the side, like maybe those CRMs don't need to be in the same place. But when when the en- other end of the funnel is advancement, like imagine the the challenge of of like distilling, you know, half a dozen or more different CRMs worth of enrollment information into one into one advancement database. And it's and that takes a ton of resources and 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 creates a ton of problems and and creates a challenge where you have to chase down the 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 data uh, uh, integrity and that, that that's always an uphill battle. And we haven't even thrown out terms like LMS, right? In right pulling that, which a lot of people want, and and when you talk about degradation of data, you know who knows what you're going to get when you start pulling data out of an LMS, and when you look at how various faculty members use it different ways and report or input data for some courses, not all, some faculty don't touch it, some do, um, and what that does to that 360 view um, that you, you might have a 360 view, but it's kind of like looking up at the sky on a cloudy night. Uh, there's, <laughs> you're not going to see anything. Um, and I agree, I agree with you, Lynn. That's one of my buzzwords I wish would go away. Um, and it, is, it is so hard to achieve a real 360 degree view of that of a student's experience. It is we so asked, we haven't difficult. asked the buzzword question in a while, Mickey. And I think Len actually just did it without being asked. <laughs> I think that's his. That's so we used to ask this question: What's your least favorite buzzword that's used in the industry? And I think that the way that you reference that, I mean, that's perfect yeah. because that is one of those things. You know, it's like. Uh, I, I get so frustrated sometimes, you know, thinking of of comm flows and things like that, because every school has the same points they're talking about, right? That, like, it is very little variation. And if, and from your perspective there, it sounds like every vendor that's telling you about, you know, data perspectives and things like that is using that as their, that's their lens or, you know, offering you that vantage point. It's like, well, that doesn't make you unique anymore. So put it on the books, Mickey. We got and, another and, one. and maybe the engineer in me objects to that as well, because 360 is implies a circle, mm-hmm. which is a two dimensional object. But but, you know, you got three. like what's the sp- spherical view is really maybe the better way to say it. like in, you see in all 360, but in 360, ty- whatever. I don't know mm-hmm. what the right formula is for that, but it's I not even, it's not it's even right. Meta- <laughs> it's a metaverse view. That's. <laughs> right. 
Metaversal. Here first, folks. Metaversal. Oh, Metaversal, Metaversal view. view. <laughs> I like spherical better. Lynn, go ahead and as soon as we're done with this, you go register your trademark. Yeah, there's a reason uh, I'm okay. not in marketing. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think that would have a lot of traction. Uh, there's a reason 360 gained popularity, but it's just not right. <laughs> anyway. You know, and the other challenge I alluded to it before is that there's the people have different stakes in that data flow. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm dealing with an issue right now where, you know, the admissions office set up uh, some data. I can't remember if it was like country or, you know, something very basic. And the codes that they chose didn't match the codes in our ERP. So it just became this huge lift just for something basic, like, you know, the, the student's country of, you know, citizenship or something like that. And imagine you're trying to capture things like, you know, what someone's extracurriculars, and, right, a country of citizenship is going to be a standardized list, but, you know, you, you do things like extracurriculars or grade point averages or things along those lines that are, that are much more um, fluid um, as, you know, in terms of their data types, and it becomes impossible. You, you brought up a, a bad memory for me, Lynn, when you, you know, a standardized list. So are SIEB codes, but not everybody has an institution that's using standard SIEB codes in their SIS because they, before they had a standardized list, they created their own. How many duplicate institutions are in there with different record numbers? And and we've, we've gone with an institution who took six weeks to make a decision on, do we go with the standard SIEB code list now, or do we continue to use our custom list that we have and which is realistically least painful and most beneficial. I mean, in trying to find the blend of those two issues, yeah. six weeks just yeah. to make that determination. That's, um, that's, I mean, I think, I think you and I have talked about that one before already, Mickey, but that to me still, like when you have a standardized list that just kind of is a universal list, I just don't understand other than like the ease of use part, like why would you adopt your own, you know, your internal list? I just don't get that. But I also know when I first was a director of admissions, the first one of the things I had to deal with was like source coding, first source coding. And that's like another one of those ones that go, oh, my word, is like all over the place. And then you get a new admin or whoever's keying in the information. Oh, I'm, there's no source code for this event that we went to. I'll make up a new one. Then you have like 90,000 source codes at the end of, you know, when you start switching over to your next CRM, it's hysterical. And, and that makes sense to the person who created it. If you're lucky, it makes sense beyond it to the team. But when you start, we're talking about degradation of data and you start passing that information along, that sure as heck isn't going to make sense to the next group who sees it. Um, mm -hmm. And then you add another group to it, um, it, it gets chaotic. And then you add someone like me to the mix because I will say there's the first <laughs> origin of source, but I care about what was the source that made them take an action that day. Like that's what, you know, I, I kind of want to know the trigger sources, not just the 14 other touch points because- there are 14. I don't know the timing. I want to know what made them do it at that moment, and which is not always what everyone else wants. Sure. And so you you insert an idea like that, and now is that field even still used as the origin source? And right. It was for some. It wasn't for others. You didn't create another lead field, or you've now you've got three different lead fields. Like it's. Yeah, we could go down. A, we could go down a really <laughs> deep rabbit hole right here. Um, yeah, and I mean, it, it speaks to a couple of points. Um, the one is, you know, when I mentioned it depends on what kind of resources you have. I mean, the immediate thought that comes to everyone's mind, I'm sure, as they're listening to that, um, was was money. But you know, the 
the presence and sophistication of a data governance um, operation within your institution is is really paramount and that that is a resource you have at your disposal that that can help you implement multiple crms and be better off with multiple crms if you really have a strong data governance operation um, in your organization because then you don't fly off in in a million different directions we had a running joke um, my, my first job in higher ed was was uh, consulting and implementing erp systems at universities and we had a running joke that you know, every institution we ever visited was was you know was so much different than every other one, um, but in exactly the same way, right? They were all exactly the same, and and maybe it was one or two or three or four percent, you know, dif difference. Like some, you know, a, a institution might have a special, you know, something that was unique in terms of a, um, you know, adult ed program or or study abroad or. Or something along those lines, but but ninety nine percent of what they were doing was exactly the same, and everybody felt the need to to try to um, stretch the ERP to to do something that that sort of met someone's individual preferences, and you'd always end up with those, you know, eight hundred source codes, and like you know, there's one source code for a north facing billboard, and then one source code for a south facing billboard. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and and just I mean, you wouldn't believe some of the crazy um configurations that that people would come up with in the name of sort of, you know, it's because our institution is unique, um, which people talk themselves into when they're really not. And and I'm glad that you actually brought up the governance. I see people interested in it. They don't always comprehend how it's going to work, the true need for it. I think that's a great example of how far it can get without that thought um, process. I've also seen where governance groups have gotten too far. Um, you know, you, you've, you've never had a billboard before. You'd like to have a code for a billboard. Ooh, mm, that we <laughs> will put that on the agenda for review and approval. Um, our next open slot is for February. Um, and so we'll make a decision then. And if we approve it, it'll go into the queue. And by April, we'll have that source code added. That doesn't help anyone at that point. I could go on a soapbox in this. We were talking about keeping me under control, Lynn. Um, <laughs> keeping this calm demeanor. But I've seen that I've I've literally seen someone say, hey, we need to add a field to an integration, pull one extra data point, and that that takes 10 months to do. Um, and at that point, you are more of a hindrance to the tactical team that has goals they need to achieve, then you are a help. And what happens in those scenarios most of the time that I see, because I normally get called in well after that's happened, is there's workarounds created. And then they need something else that's going to take months since so they create another workaround. And next thing you know, you've got 15 workarounds. They're all Band-Aids. And instead, you need gauze. And I'm the gauze dealer. Um, <laughs> and you have to come in to try to fix this. Um, and, and that's not an easy thing to do because then you've got to really have some hard talk with folks at governance and you've got to have a hard talk with people who actually are in the system and making these Band-Aid things. Um, and it creates a lot of issues. And that's sometimes with one or two systems and not even talking multiple CRMs or, or uh, if you have a different platform provider for your student success than you do for your admission CRM, that in itself is a, you know, just another challenge um, to make it difficult. But that said, um, 
Well, and I'll, what I'll say to respond to that is yep. that, you know, in my consulting life, you know, I've, I've only worked for three different institutions on the, the quote unquote light side, but um, in my consulting life, I've probably worked with, you know, more than a hundred um, and data governance tends to be on the more on the lack of sophistication level than than on the other end of the spectrum although i've i have seen both um yep. so the rarest is is the doing it the right way <laughs> yes i can't claim to to be better than anyone in this i don't we don't do it the right way at my current institution or at my last institution it's a it's something that i can't it can't just do it has to it has to really you know build trust and build um skill sets within the whole institution to get there uh, it takes a long time. The the business owners have to understand, realize, and buy in. And I, I I've had this thought that you know maybe they need to be the ones driving governance, um, because they get impacted by the governance decisions, potentially the most. Not necessarily when you when you if a governance group says hey we want to bring in fourteen new tools then obviously IT is going to be impacted there, but a lot of times in these decisions, especially tactical ones that are inside the tools that already exist, they're the ones that are impacted. And if they help drive that, then it might lead to a healthier, more responsive and effective group process committee, whatever you want to call that campus. Well, these, you know, Lynn, I, 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 I feel like we could talk, probably talk another two hours that we've, we've really just started scratching the surface. I think we might ask you back on it uh, in the near future so we can continue this and dive in a little bit more. Uh, but I think we've, we've just started hopefully opening other folks' eyes and start to understand all of the backend work that needs to occur. I will tell you folks listening in part two, we're gonna uh, be talking to someone uh, from the enrollment management side, um, on the end user side, the business owner side, to get a little bit of their perspective to understand their wants, needs, and desires. And, and from there, we'll, who knows, there may be part 10 by the time we're done with this. Um, <laughs> this could be a series look, in itself. See that look in his eyes, that little yes. glimmer sometimes. <laughs> yes. He starts talking about source coding and influence codes <laughs> and all that stuff. It's like, look out world. Well, you I, know, can, well, I can already think of a part three, to be honest with you. And it's, you know, I don't want to really start this conversation because it's, <laughs> it could take the, it could take another 20 <laughs> minutes, but you know, the, the compromise between the sort of one giant CRM um, and the, you know, every department having its own, it's are, are you know, the platform-based solutions and things like Salesforce and the, mm -hmm. and the HEDA solution that they're, they're trying to push for. And it's, I don't know if they've achieved it yet, but it certainly is trying to offer the best of both worlds that every department gets its own CRM, but they're, they have a shared data model that, that enables some of that that data flow from from system to system, um, I think they I think they're still probably a long way from from making that you know bringing that to fruition. And there are other you know there are other vendors out there that are trying to do the same thing. So anyway, that's for part there, three. There, that's right, and there there is a race uh, I think for that. Um, yeah, we we see it in and experience that quite a bit. But if nothing else, through whether it's three parts or ten parts, we will have a good spherical view of, <laughs> of, of the choices you have when you think about your growth in, in your institution's life cycle when it comes to CRM. So, uh, Len, thank you, as always, um, for being someone that we can trust and lean on and give some honest 
feedback and, and thoughts on these. And so good to see you again. For everyone else, thanks for listening for another episode. Looking forward to part two of this conversation on CRM platforms. Jamie, you want to take us out? I would love to. Len, thanks for your time. And uh, listeners, we'll see you next time on CRM Prov. Zach here from Neurolify. I hope you enjoyed this episode of CRM Prov. If you liked this episode, do us a huge favor and hit that follow and subscribe button below. Furthermore, if you've got just two minutes to spare, we would greatly appreciate you leaving a rating and a review of this show on Apple Podcasts. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. But Enrollify is far more than just a podcast network. Enrollify is where higher ed comes to learn new marketing skills, discover new products and services, and find their next job. We're a growing learning community of 4,000 members, and we'd love to welcome you into the fold. You can access our free blog articles, newsletters, e-courses, and more, or purchase our master course on how to market a university with Terry Flannery at Enrollify.org. We look forward to meeting you soon and welcoming you into the community. Again, you can subscribe for free at enrollify.org.